Hey everybody, welcome to 2021. Change is in the air, hope is on the horizon. It's an exciting time to be alive. Um, Great to be back with you here on the podcast. I wanted to make you all aware that we've actually launched a new offering here at Enrollify called Enrollify Exclusives. And Enrollify Exclusives are sort of like a Costco or a Sam's Club um, without the membership fee, and we're not gonna be giving you discounts on food, but we are gonna be giving you special deals on higher education software, higher ed vendor services, premium content offerings, and a lot more. And our first Enrollify exclusive partner is actually Element 451. And Element is an admissions and marketing enrollment CRM. It's sort of like if HubSpot and Slate had a baby, they'd name it Element 451. Um, And a few weeks ago, I sat down with Artis, who's the CEO of Element 451, for a special, what we call, behind-the-pitch deck interview, which really showed us um, a behind-the-scenes custom look of Element 451's marketing technology. And this is actually an an eight-part video series that goes really, really, really deep into uh, Element's unique value proposition. It explains how they stack up against Slate, TargetX, and other higher-ed CRMs. Um, And we actually give you sort of like teasers around what they've got coming down the pipeline this year with respect to their product roadmap. So if you haven't watched these videos already, or if you haven't uh, read about Enrollify exclusives already, please just head on over to the website, enrollify.org forward slash exclusives. And you can be, you'll be directed to this, um, to this special interview with, with artists from element 451. Um, finally, everyone that engages with this content, like if you are interested in learning more about Element, um, you will get a special deal um, on your onboarding fees and then also on your your services packages as well. So if you're looking for sort of a, a, a new CRM and you need something to sort of like sweeten the pot, right, and justify making that move, um, Enrollify Exclusives is the vehicle through which you should access Element 451 so that they can um, hook you up with those special deals that are, again, are totally exclusive to Enrollify subscribers. So uh, thank you guys. Without further ado, enjoy today's episode. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. We're, uh, it's, it's hard to believe, but you know, um, next week is February. I know. I just I looked at my calendar last night and I was I I was convinced we had at least one more week in January but um but we don't. We don't. Uh, I don't know what happened in January. I know. Um I but know. I'd like it back. Yeah, you you and uh you and most of us I'm sure. So I I have a quick funny story for you Mickey. So I um as as you'll remember and as hopefully our listeners will remember I'm, I'm on the road still. Uh, hopping around to new Airbnbs every couple of weeks, and um, my wife and I, you know, we we don't see anyone. We're we're not going to restaurants. Uh, we do take out every once in a while, but we're we are sort of traveling around to different uh, Airbnb homes. And um, we were driving from Santa Fe to um, where are we? To Sedona, Arizona. Uh, over the weekend and all of a sudden we started getting all these travel alerts and apparently there was this weather system rolling in um, a a snowstorm and we were sort of like you know it's the desert it's it's you know it's sunny like there's nothing going like come on like what the you know no like let's just press through it's probably just people freaking out like um anyways uh 
we end up encountering the snowstorm and uh, it delays our trip. Uh, we're like stuck on the road, you know, moving at, you know, an inchworm pace. Um, and it adds three and a half hours to our trip. There are trucks overturns, you know. My wife um, is uh, is Ecuadorian, and um, she like grabs uh, our the rosary beads uh, in the car and starts praying that we'll like make it out okay. And um, it was like there were a few moments, Mickey, where I was like, you know what, like it's plausible that we could get really, really, really stuck and and maybe even hurt. Um, but thankfully, we made it out. And we got to our place in Arizona, in, in Sedona here, um, just in time for uh, another foot of snow to drop. And so the Wi-Fi here has been very shoddy. Um, uh, we've been snowed in for like four days now. And uh, we're supposed to be driving to Phoenix later today. So, And it's looking like the roads are, are finally getting a little bit better. But, um, but yeah, so much of my week has been holed up. In this, it's a cool home, um, but we we really haven't gone out for for four days. And yesterday morning, I was actually on a Zoom call, and my the person I was on the Zoom call with was like, "Zach, look behind you. Do you do you see that?" And I looked behind. Uh, there was the window behind me, and I looked behind, and there was a pack of wolves, literally a pack of wolves, three wolves, running through our yard. Um, the yard of the Airbnb and I took photos and was like, what is going on? And then I kid you not an hour later, a pack of wild boars ran through the yard. So it's been, it's been quite a week, Mickey. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be talking to you today, but just wanted to give you a little bit of context around like what the last few days for me have looked like. So isn't that exactly why you're doing this? You know, I guess so. I guess so. It's part of the adventure, but you know, like it doesn't, it's not as fun as it, I feel like it should be in like in these moments. I, I think if we had working internet, like really work, like internet that actually worked, it would be totally awesome. Fine. We can't even watch like the bandwidth is so bad up here, Mickey, that like we can't even watch like Netflix in the evenings. Like we, um, I, I'm literally like, in like the I'm sitting right next to our router right now and I'm like mm-hmm. cuddled up in sort of this like weird dark corner of the home so we can do this podcast but um but yeah bandwidth is 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 not great here um but then I remember you and I remember hey like Mickey takes his family all of her creation in an RV like this is nothing compared to like what he's used to having to deal with so uh, I have thought of about you on a number of occasions and You've given me a little bit of hope to to sort of toughen up and, and roll with it. Um, so, but, but you are, but you know, part of what, if I remember correctly, part of this is you wanted to experience all areas of this country, yes. and that is the experience of that part of Arizona. Yeah, that's that experience. Which I guess, uh, and I, I just wish you know I had what? known. But I, I, I it's just like, <laughs> well, I'm so naive when it comes to these things. Yep. Well, but now you do, and that's just that's growth. Yeah, that is growth because now we have an idea what it means. And and hopefully there's a couple other little smaller learning pieces of this to say we need to at all times have one or two gallons of water with us. Yeah, yeah. It might be worthwhile to have, you know, I will I will share with this. Um, My wife would shoot me if she knew I was saying this. (laughs) We have a, a potty bucket. That ah, we have this like a potty seat mounted to the bucket itself. You know, how do we have something like that for an emergency? Yeah. Now we don't care that anymore because we have an RV that we can pull that, you know, that has the 
operational, you know, I can have a bathroom that works, but, but we have those types of things for those scenarios. So that's a little small bit of learning, but I would say that is what you're learning. And who knows how much of your internet issues really are weather-based versus you're in the middle of nowhere and that's the way it is. And that is the experience to folks that live in that way it worked. And I will share with you one more thing is I have a cousin who lives about an hour outside of Louisville. Okay. Um, who who streams Netflix on his cell service on his 3G iPhone. Wow. That's his TV. Wow. Right? Yeah. Wow. That's the experience uh, of Americans. And, and that is for him by choice, which yeah. I, I admire. I, I couldn't do. Um, but he's a big podcaster. Um, he's probably, even though he's not in higher education, he's probably listening to this because he always tells me about what he's listened to in the, in the show. Um, so, you know, I just think that's part of the experience. Wow. Well, hey, I mean, you know, power to people like this that can that can live this way. And I mean, it really does. It really has been a helpful reminder of like, well, I live in this like ridiculous bubble and I'm used to like, you know, 5G and, uh, you know, uh, 50 <laughs> upload uh, Internet. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, one more just... thing I'll just tell you to think about. Um, you need a cell booster. Um, yeah. one of those little, um, like that can go into a hotspot or directly into your phone that then just increases the signal, okay. um, which then will improve your connectivity in times like this. Um, we have one of those for the road as well. And, um, that's uh, helpful. Now, if, now for those listening, everything, Oh, I can use a cell booster for our enrollment team when they're at high school fairs. Cell boosters do not improve the power of the signal to get through long cement walls. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, it, they're, they're directional. And they, so, so if, if you're, you know, down below in a gym, uh, at a high school and you think a cell booster is going to help you, that's not going to help you in that scenario. But um, when you're out, you just, you know, you can have it, you know, I, mine has suction cups and I find the window that's in the best direction of the tower, put it there. And that's where I'd be working from at that given moment. So that's something else to add, but I'll also add to shift us into what I know you want to talk about today. You know, <laughs> I think there's a story here um, that we can segue in. Cause I know you wanted to talk about um, goals expectations, those types of things. And, and you, you, one of your comments you made here is this was supposed to be fun. Well, that tells me part of what your goals are. Um, and, you know, are your expectations potentially too high at times? Is it fun 100% of the time? Is it fun 70% of the time? You know, what are those expectations um, that we need to have? And if it really is 100% of the time, then when you're picking destinations, you know, make sure that if I'm going to succeed at that goal of 100% fun, can this location do that for me? What might occur mm. at this location that would prevent me from getting to 100% fun? Yeah. And then say, well, okay, this trip, we're shifting that down to 50% fun because <laughs> this could get snow. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, we could take it a step further. Let's define what fun is. Fun may or may not be watching wolves run through my yard, mm. watching boars run through my yard after that, which is almost to me, when you say that, remind me of like the Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote chasing back each other back and forth across the yard. Yeah. Um, but I'll yeah. pause there. I can keep yeah. going. No, no, no. And actually, you know, what's funny is, it, is I actually, we also saw like a legit road runner, uh, in Santa Fe last weekend when we were driving out, like, uh, and I was, I was like, what the hell, what, oh, what the heck, sorry, uh, is this? And sure enough, it's a freaking road runner that like runs right in front of our car. We got, we like took a photo of it and looked it up and confirmed that we weren't crazy. Um, <laughs> So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Lots of <laughs> lots of great wildlife, um, which is which is which is cool. But okay, quick quick. Uh, I I actually do think that this comment will relate 
um, to what we want to talk about with goals, talk about with um, um, sort of thinking about micro-influencers and student ambassadors. Um, and that is one of the things I've learned about, so we spend a ton of time, right, researching Airbnbs and like where we want to go, where we want to stay. We read a lot of reviews and in the spirit of like goal setting, um, it's amazing, right, to me, like how people can use the same adjectives and mean very different things um, from, so, so the standard of like, beautiful and amazing and the standard of you know great wi-fi great experience for you know it it varies dramatically i mean we read these reviews and sometimes we get to a place and we're sort of like wow okay like you know uh we might use the word charming not sure that we would use the word luxury um and <laughs> you know it, it's it's sort of it's just it's it's been this like very eye-opening experience of like whoa like you know people have just different expectations and standards um but use the same word so how that translates to goal setting i was like you know we can we can all think right like okay this is the goal like we want to do better marketing and we want to have a successful digital student recruitment event right? And what that means to maybe your director of admissions could be wildly different than what that means to the VP of enrollment management, which could also be wildly different down to like the program coordinator or the admissions counselor, like doing a lot of like the, you know, uh, the boots on the ground work to pull off the event. And I think like, again, this is a rough-ish segue, but I, I do think it, it works a little bit here. Um, I do think one of the things that needs to happen especially in a world where many of us are still working remotely or working in some sort of hybrid fashion is there has to be like clarity around vision like clarity around vision uh, and repetition of that vision has never been more important um not being together all the time just reinforces the need to be really really specific about like trajectory um what the goal is why that is the goal and ensuring that like when we're talking about the goal that everyone is you know using the same definition for the word um and i think i think mickey that like that is the most important thing right now as folks are thinking about fall of 2021 and beyond is hey are we using consistent language are our definitions the same are we reinforcing vision around not just like where we want to go but how we're going to get there Mm-hmm. Well, the segue's there, um, so let's let's dive in. Uh, I, I know we have a, a limit on time, so let's yeah. dive in a little bit because um, I have a whirlwind of thoughts there. Yeah, um, multiple ways to think about getting that clarity that you want. It is you're absolutely right, and we are in a time now. January twentieth was a big day in this country. Yeah, uh, and and one of the things and and um, themes I will say I take from that is we're that we're in a new period of time where we are acknowledging words matter. Yeah, yeah. And what you're saying rings true to that. Words matter, and you know, in the real estate world, charming means small. That's what a realtor <laughs> we, realtors use, right? When they're describing a home and it's small, you can't say small because it might turn people away. The term they unilaterally use is charming. So understanding how you define that. And it kind of, you know, I, when you said that, it reminded me of this um, approach 
to defining clarity or building clarity um, that I learned about from Amazon. It's the five whys or what's, or it's, but it's, it's the series of questions you ask yourself to get yourself deeper and deeper into something. So, hmm. you know, our, we are, we are going to um, grow 5% next year. Well, how are we going to grow? We're going to do these three things. Well, how are you going to do each of those three things? We're going to do, we're going to do this, this, and this. Okay. Well, what do you need in place to get to this, this, and this? And you keep going five levels deeper into that to really fully define and clarify what it is that has to be done so that if you are an executive, you know the high level things, but if you're on the front lines and you're an admissions counselor, or you're the person that answers the phones or processes applications, you know what you need to do when you need to do it so that you're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's getting deeper so that you find that so that you find that everyone is on the same page, that we have the same definition for what all of those things mean. Um, I think that's a really, really important thing. There's a, um, uh, an entrepreneur out there who's written a series of books. Um, his name is Ari Weinswig. He, he is a founder of a co-founder of a deli in Ann Arbor, Michigan. OK. Zingerman's Deli. Um, which is now a series of businesses. They, they, I don't know what year it was founded, but they've grown that into 20-something different companies, uh, the Zingman's family of businesses. But one of his first book um, about building a great business, I think it's like an anarchist's view of building a great business. Um, I got to email with him a few times and um, totally inspired by him. Um, but their vision, when they write a vision statement, and this is how I, I like to look at visioning, it's not what we think of in a vision statement. Their vision statement is a short narrative description and story hmm. about it. So the example I think he uses in a book is about a Zingerman's farmer's market they want to create. And so we're writing a vision statement that is five years out. And the vision statement is um, today is January 28th, 2026. We just finished the last day of our farmer's market for the season. All 24 of our vendors um, are packing up after receiving a 10% growth in the sales they had over last year. We're um, saying goodbye to three of our new vendors for the season. You know, things like that. And wow. they go through an entire story. But what they've done is said, okay, this is how many people, um, how many vendors we have, how many were new the returning ones, what percentage of growth they had over last year, you know, they get to that level, but it's through a narrative, this little story. And, but it's crystal clear so that when you read it, if you're a server or if you're a vendor or a participant, you can picture yourself at that farmer's market in 2026. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. No, I mean, I, that, I love that. And I think that uh, what's cool about that is it really aligns with sort of uh, this this the behavior, I guess I'll call it, that I'm seeing, which is there's really sort of like a, a passing of the buck when it comes to goal setting. And I don't mean like 30,000 foot goal setting of like, you know, we want to increase enrollment by 25% or 30%. Like anyone can say yes. that. A lot of people in leadership say that. Um, but then it's, but then like the hard work of like, oh, okay, like what will it actually take to get there? That's still part of like the goal, Correct. right? Like. You still have to use that's like the 30,000 foot goal, right? But then what about like yes. all the micro goals of, okay, like what would we need to pull this off? What vendor might we need for support? Do we need design? Like what design help do we need if we were going to launch a new big marketing campaign that's going to include both, you know, digital and out of home, right? Like, and, and these are the sorts of considerations where I feel like there's a, a, not, a, I shouldn't say a lack of leadership, but it, they're hard. This is hard. Um, and because it's hard, there, te there tends to be like this need or this desire to like pass it off. And a great sort of like tangible example of this, Mickey, is right now 
I won't share uh, what the school, uh, who the school is, but we got a invited to respond to this RFP. Um, and by the way, the, the timeline was like four days. It was really sort of like netty. Um, and the it's probably like the most poorly written RFP I've ever seen. It's incredibly vague. It's not. It, it, it's so it's confusing. I had the respond. I asked several different questions, um, and the responses to my questions were also sort of vague. Um, and yet, I know that this organization really uh, needs us to respond um, uh, respond to this RFP. So I'm going to do it. It's on my to do list for 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 the day. But like as I'm combing through this, I'm like. This is like a perfect example of like passing the buck when it comes to goal setting and just really having no clear vision on how it's like they, they know at the end of the day, I guess what they want, but they have no sense for for how to get there. And really, they're punting. They're punting to me and saying, how do we get there? Um, which I guess in some ways is sort of how our RFPs tend to work. But at least like normally when, when I'm reviewing these sorts of these sorts of uh, game plans, it's it's a lot more specific and clear about what e- exactly it is that they want. Because again, there are a zillion different ways to to achieve a goal. Um, and so I I guess my, I will just stop talking about goal setting in a second here. But I would I would end by just saying this: like I think that there is a lot of room in enrollment management for people to sort of like step up to the plate and decide. Okay, I get the thirty thousand foot goal. Uh, I. I don't know that that's even possible, but here is like a roadmap for how we could potentially get somewhere like that. And those sorts of people talking about like finding like, you know, the the traits, the strategies, the tactics that separate the best enrollment management teams from the rest of the pack, like the people that do that, um, those are the people that are going to stand out. And really, quite honestly, those are the institutions that are that have a chance at reaching those lofty goals. And I think that there is You're unfortunately just a dearth right. of that. That is one of the key ingredients to separating yourself. If you want to delineate and, and separate yourself, it's taking the time yeah. to get to that level of clarity. And I will just share with you with what you just said with about that RFP. That is a great RFP that I would um, politely, respectfully reply and decline. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I'm not saying that's what you should do. I'm just saying for me, and, and th- because this is my opportunity to say, you know, I, you know, I think you, you've got some uh, wonderful uh, ideas and strategies that you want to have to help you achieve whatever it is they're trying to achieve. Um, unfortunately, we're not able to respond to this. While I think we might uh, be a great option for you, here are the things that uh, I find missing that leave me uh, that that make it unable for me to provide a clear direction for yeah. how we do the work. To understand here are the specific items that we would need to be doing and the cost for that. Yeah. And because of that lack of clarity, I don't think it would be appropriate for us to assume or provide something that may not be accurate for what you need or what we can deliver. If you want to rethink it, I'm happy to walk you through things. I mean, I would, you know, something like that was how I would respond to that. And and, and I have responded yeah. and, and do the best again and hope I'm not insulting the person. But you know, I've I've, you know, in, in our world we see some RFPs. It's one of the reasons I don't really like to respond. Um, to RFPs yeah. regularly, uh, because I don't know that the, what what I get asked is and and how we go about delivering it is an easy way to match and and show what we do. Yeah, um, we no, we do some RFPs, but you know we're we're careful about them for that specific purpose. And and I've read some ones. In fact, uh, we should do a special bonus episode at some point um, that that is geared towards helping. You know, wh- yes. what are the key ingredients for an effective I ju- RFP? I was stuff? just about to say that, Mickey. Yes, one hundred percent. Because I I I I feel for folks who are putting these together and like. 
again, I, I don't know what it's actually like, but I, I would imagine, you know, based off of, again, we rarely, rarely respond to RFPs. We're only responding to this one because of circumstances that require us to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's really sort of a favor. Um, but like, yeah, I, I don't to, for the enrollment managers involved in sort of like putting these together, um, I imagine that they don't have great formal training on how to do this. And it's probably just another thing that's thrown onto their plate and whatnot. But like, uh, you know what? And some folks that are putting them out, let's be fair, are procurement folks who sure, aren't given sure. a clear definition, um, you know, and they don't know how to scope a project out. You know, I've, I'm a procurement person and someone wants to get a new digital agency or wants to get a CRM. I don't know enough about either of those to scope out what needs to be in the proposal to give um, the decision makers what they need to have a consistent level of submissions um, so they have a good objective comparison to select the right vendor. I mean, if you don't have that, again, it's, it's just clarity. It's yeah, understanding yeah. clarity and- and and not having that so we should do um, it yeah we should let's yep. let's plan a bonus episode where we do some prep work ahead of time and we sort of outline sort of like a framework for hey here's how to here's how to write a you know great rfp um i think that would be insanely valuable and then we, we should make like a template that people can download and, and reference internally as well oh look at that now you're making very easy um or you're going above and beyond rather is i know i know we, we like to do that um okay cool can we shift and talk a little bit about uh micro influencing sure. and student ambassadors i know we've got like seven or eight minutes left um here so um i did a whole i was telling you mickey uh right before we hopped on here that uh i had a last minute cancellation for our the core show of the enrollify podcast this week and so i did it like a solo show which was actually like way more fun than i thought um but I also like to talk, so uh, you know, there's that. So I don't know. I don't know if anyone will have found it particularly interesting. But I talked a lot about sort of like rethinking and re- really reimagining what student ambassadors could be through sort of like the lens of micro influencing, and just mm-hmm. a very very quick. So I, I don't want to go too much into sort of uh, some ideas I threw out there. But um, I, I yeah, as we were talking, you were like, oh hey, I've thought about this too, and yeah, I have some ideas. So I want to actually hear your ideas. But just for the sake of our listeners. Um, I did some, you know, what is a micro-influencer kind of summed up. And, and basically, there's there's more consensus around sort of the idea that a micro-influencer has about 1,000 to 10,000 uh, social followers. Um, so, again, these aren't celebrity folks. Um, but what's super interesting is that there's, in, in the marketing space, is this growing trend towards spending money with micro-influencers because um, at least the data that's come out so far is that these people tend to have uh, smaller followings, but very, very loyal followings that really do sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, like uh, appreciate the lifestyle that that micro influencer lives, and therefore will respond um, to the products or services or tactics or you know workout strategies or whatever it is that these influencers might suggest. So, in thinking about this and thinking about like just marketing spend in general and where schools should allocate budget. I've been just thinking, and you know, coupled coupled with sort of like the rise in in, uh, in trends around sort of like peer to peer marketing, especially in Generation Z, and having like peers be really really influential in um, in decision making. I feel like there's just a ton of low hanging fruit and a ton of opportunities for schools to reimagine their student ambassador programs and really kind of maybe find different students at their institutions who are doing cool things on social media or that do have some sort of like personal brand and find creative ways to tap into those brands and tap into the work that those students are doing um, for recruitment purposes. So 
that's my quick sort of just like laying the foundation for what micro-influencing uh, is and what a micro-influencer is. But Mickey, I'd love to hear just like your thoughts um, on stuff you whiteboarded, uh, you know, recently yeah. and, and or even, you know, back back in the day a little bit around how schools could think creatively about incorporating their students into uh, the enrollment management process. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about, about that as an idea and then expand upon that in terms of planning for something like that, because we're talking about goals and clarity and those types of things. And how do we fit this together? And when you were just telling me about this before we recorded this, I kind of cut you off and said, you know what? I had an idea like this years ago um, and I never implemented it or executed on it. Um, and so this was, you know, for listeners who don't know, uh, before I consulted, uh, I worked directly in higher ed. I was running uh, a program for non-traditional students um, at a small private um, college where I was working at the time. And, you know, we, we had launched a, a, a really powerful and effective testimonial campaign um, for, for some of our alumni uh, in the program and that we were using it as a driver for our marketing. But I, I had this idea of, of at the time, like a, a vlogger, having a student, a current student mm. kind of vlog through their experience to help us document what that life was like. And, and the goal was we wanted to bring our students and graduates uh, stories into the homes of, um, of our prospective students. And our thought was, well, we could do this. And, and we, you know, I got to the point of, you know, what, what, what would they be talking about that would make this useful? And, you know, I look at what are the questions our students have? What are the fears and concerns they have when they're thinking about taking a step like this and what it means for them? And what I, you know, it came down to is let's look at, you know, academically, you know, one of the things we always heard from our students was, I don't know if I could do a statistics course because yeah. all of our programs required a statistics course. And well, what if I had another student who was also afraid of that, that, that we were confident would be, that would perform well in that, um, you know, how do we, you know, what if they were to vlog through that? And I, I can imagine, I don't know if, if for those who've seen the office, um, you know, where they, where they're in a conference room, you know, having that testimonial interview with, yeah. with the producers, you know, <laughs> it, it, a non-comical version of that standing outside the classroom, like, well, you know, tonight's tonight, I'm getting ready to walk in. I'm starting my first night of stats. You know, here's what's on my mind. I don't know what's going to happen. Here's what I'm afraid of. You know, I haven't had a math course in 20 years. That's, you know, I wanted to capture that story and then see how they progress in that course over six weeks, because this was a very short, condensed course and how they succeeded because most, almost all of our students did succeed in it. They almost all had the same fear, the same level of fear, and yet they still almost all succeeded. Wow. Wow. So if we were to take and, and implement a model like that, um, and we had other things that they would talk about, you know, let's let's talk about what it might take to create it and how you set some of the goals. You know, one of the key things, and this is what I got pushback on from folks, is um, how do we know that we're going to pick a student that's going to succeed through the entire program and will succeed in statistics? Huh. Yeah. Well, yeah. so we had to think through what 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 are criteria we might use to select. Um, we also, we, would you pick a student in a program that has statistics further back into the program where they're more likely to persist just because they're getting closer versus statistics up front? Um, you know, how do we go about that? So, um, you know, that was some of the questions and those would be some of the things I would say, you know, as you think about planning for this, you know, what, you know, what is it that, that you need to have to think about when you're selecting the right student? Because that's big, you know, casting yeah, the right yeah. person to articulate the value and their fears and their successes in the program is a big step. But then you also look at what are the right things we want them to talk about? How do we help coach and guide them so that they're providing material that we will find to be useful to present to prospective students? 
without scripting it yeah. because if it's scripted it's junk right I, and i didn't i want nothing to do with scripting something but how do i then provide it how do we find equipment you know what is it that they say that will help convince a prospective student and how do i then modify it so that it can be presented in a way that the prospective student reads it and then receives it and then engages from it having those goals in place um, w w was what we needed. And, and which is, by the way, we, this was 2000, this is more than 11 years. This is probably like 2008 when I was going through this. And because we didn't have all those answers uh, and I kept a big whiteboard in my office and a big portion of that was just meant for ideas of things we needed to think about. This was on that board for a couple of years. Um, and it never got executed because we, I never committed the time um, to really think through. I didn't know what I needed to know to think it through. I mean, that was, you know, vlogging wasn't brand new, but vlogging for that purpose wasn't something I could find in other industries uh, commonly um, to really kind of process, to know the definition and that level of clarity we needed to go and execute and provide the direction to a marketing team, um, to a selection team that would help select the student, uh, and then to the student to make them feel comfortable doing it. And so if I correlate that to today and talking about a student ambassador program that might have micro-influencers, I think that's fantastic. I love the idea. I wish I had employed that idea about 18 months ago so that when the pandemic came and everyone yeah. stopped going to the college campus, imagine the impact the influencers would have had. That would have been your way to engage and keep people updated and connected with your campus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? no, and so yeah. I think that's so important. But I, I, I'm, I'm, if you're okay, I'm gonna go a couple more minutes. Please, let's please, talk. Let's going. dive in and talk about planning. So, how do we pick the right people? If I'm running the enrollment shop, what do I really know about influencer programs? Do yeah. I understand what that means? Because what you don't want is a group of influencers, you know, with with puckered faces right outside Chick Fil A on campus. We, we don't, you know, that's not, you know, and, and and to be fair and clear, when you know, if you'd asked me a year ago what an influencer was, that's probably what I would have thought of. Yeah, but yeah. that's not what it is. In the world of influencing, no. is dramatically changing, dramatically changing, and so a lot of the, you know, we we talked about RV. A lot of the RV videos I watch, those people are some to an extent moving into the role of uh, influencers for RV industry. Um, for products, yeah. for RV manufacturers, that's happening. Uh, and, and you know, so how does this influencer role? Because um, you're, you are creating a mini celebrity potentially for your campus. Um, and so, what are the boundaries? What is it we are looking for? The type of content without scripting it, so that it's natural and real. Um, and then, how do we select the right people? What are the criteria we're looking for? It's not just academic. You know, what are the the parameters? What can we film in terms of other people that might be around us on campus? Because some people don't want their image up there. On there. How yeah. do all of those things have to be thought through? It's a daunting task. But when you think of, you know, this is probably the best time to present this and demonstrate the ROI. Because imagine what the ROI. I would have been over the past year. I know, I know. And that doesn't mean that it's going to go away. I mean, we, we might have all been vaccinated and we might have people back to campus, but the ability to connect and engage people in a different way, that's beyond email, you know, because no one reads the email. Okay, um, no one's responding to my call or my text. Okay, well, what else can we do to get through? That is a way to do it. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, uh, you know, Amen. Uh, so, so much gold there. And, you know, I think what I would just add, Miki, you did a really good job of like outlining sort of what folks need to think about and sort of like uh, breaking down uh, into specific steps, like how to go about launching something like this. And what I would just add is there is just a rise of like independent creators, like the, across the internet, like people, especially young people, like there is like a hunger 
to like build your personal brand. Um, and again, not not for everybody, but more and more and more and more people are being empowered. Just quite frankly, because the tools and networks and platforms are are out, you know, increasingly better day over day that allow for this sort of creation to happen. But people are just really, really good at. Uh, sharing their creativity in unique ways, specifically uh, digital ways. And so when I think about this very practically too, I think that for most enrollment managers, there are students at your school right now that have wild followings on social media and you have no idea who they are. Like there, there are students that are a top Twitch streamer, right? Who have personalities, who might be a great candidate to promote your new computer science program and you have no idea who he or she is right so i what i get why i get excited about this is like all these like there are there are at least a handful of students i promise you at your institution that have a wild social following on some on some platform right maybe not on all platforms that's another key thing yeah. What platform or yeah, which and it's going to be it's going to be right? different. Yeah. And and I think that that but but like my point is that you don't have to necessarily do all this work of like, oh, do we need to go and like recruit someone new to come in and do that? Like I guarantee if you just asked around, right? Like uh, you just once this is socially acceptable, go get coffee with some, you know, uh juniors or or seniors at your school and just say, "Hey, who? Okay, let let's let's talk. Like who's got like a cool social following like who's doing something really neat in like the digital creative space and it it will not take long for you to find these people i guarantee you and as you process all the work so you're talking about you're talking about how to find people who naturally already have it um and then you know what does it mean to what are the results we want to get from this yeah so because that's so there will be evolutions of chunks, you know, and when I'm, when I'm, um, um, to steal another, someone else's term ideating yeah. about this, something like this, when I'm coming up with this idea and I'm, I'm flushing it out, I keep, um, you know, whether that's, um, bringing a colleague in and creating a special Slack channel for it, or going into Google keep, um, and just start taking notes and writing it out to flush out my thoughts on it. And then I just copy and paste them all together. So it's got a better order to it. And I can think through, you know, what is it I'm looking to do? What types of channels are we talking about? What does it mean to bring someone in who already knows it and how to blend that together? How do we keep it natural? All of those questions you're thinking about, you know, you have yeah. them and you start processing it so that then, you know, that's a piece of it. And then you work yourself each time you're going through it, you're adding a little more detail. You're getting a little closer. And whether that's five steps or 15 steps, that's what you're going through. So you've, so you have a program or a plan in place. Yeah. Yeah. That you start brainstorming on. Yeah. And, and really start executing. And what's exciting about this, I think is like, and you have, you have to obviously be careful here. And like, Especially is your if you're partnering with like Gen Z, you're partnering with you know seventeen, eighteen, nineteen year olds who you know um, are great and and talented, but um, you know they're still they're still young, and if they're going to be representing your brand, obviously there's you know stuff you have to work out with them. But um, why I think that this is so exciting is is because again we know that with this generation, the power of peer to peer influence has never been stronger. Um, and I think that like what this is, is this is like a, uh, to use some, you know, like startup marketing jargon, like a democratizing of like the student testimonial that's plastered on your, the homepage of your website. Like this is like getting mm -hmm. real and authentic and a, a yes. breaking down of no, no, no. Like, yes, you can have your little, like, you know, 
uh, testimonial, your little one, two sentence sort of like why we're the best school since sliced bread. But what this is, is this is an actual like student saying, hey, yes, this is my craft. This is what I do. Um, and here are a couple of, you know, frameworks I've been given or lessons I've learned um, during my time here that have empowered me to keep doing what I love um, or have, you know, changed the way that I think about this one thing. And that is so much more powerful than a canned student testimonial. Um, and it's way easier to do than I think most of us might might think it is. So maybe a homework assignment for folks is to go and try, you know, this week. See see if you can even identify a few people that might qualify of uh, as being a micro-influencer somewhere in sort of the one to 10,000 sort of social followers um, that are actually doing cool things, like that are that are being creative, that are being innovative, that are that are trying to promote a particular idea about themselves and or um, a particular product that they might be working on, et cetera. So I think that that would be a good place, very practical, like just do some homework and see if you can identify some people at your institution that qualify for, um, that qualify as, as a micro-influencer. I would just say, if you're interested, anyone out there, if you're interested, you know, let's connect with us. Let's let's do a let's offer. We'll you know we'll do a couple of brainstorming sessions. Let's let's yeah. flush it out. Yeah. To build what that can be for you, I, I think this is you know we've talked about a lot of different ideas and things. And I think this is a big one. Yeah. Right, Zach and I, I, you know, I think it's a big one because the results and impact um, are great. Um, the risk is not minimal. The effort is great to make yeah. it work and, and it's not something you can whimsically i think do um at least tying the the work and what's being you know influenced out there to your roi and knowing what you need to achieve from it putting all that together is not an easy thing to do so um it requires i think some brainstorming i'd be happy to jump in and, and brainstorm with folks on this yeah yeah all right, so the first person that reaches out to All right. to Mickey and I gets a gets a free brainstorm session. <laughs> uh, I love that idea. All right, Absolutely. sir, we should we should probably wrap it. Okay, um, but thank you for your time as always. Thank you for our listeners. Uh, thank you to our listeners for for listening in. Um, and as always, reach out to us with any questions, comments, you know, concerns, ideas, ideas, <laughs> all yes. all the good stuff. And Zach. Yeah. Safe travels. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Here's to hoping that as we load the car today, we are not surprised by another pack of wolves. Yes. <laughs>